Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time listening to the show, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And this episode is coming late. We, we haven't recorded anything in like a month, so it's been yeah. a, quite a Sorry. long time. In fact, I got a text message from one of our avid fans uh, today, Mike, uh, Joe, and he oh, said, I haven't... Happy 40th birthday, he, Joe. He said, he said um, uh, where is the, the new episode? I haven't had a chance to make fun of Mike in a while. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, far be it from us to keep him from that. Keep the man fed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, you know, Joe, this episode's for you. You can make fun of Mike all you want. Uh, <laughs> I guess we, since it's his birthday, can we dedicate this episode to him? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, the, oh, we, we, can, we can start I, I doing like that. To, uh, to a corrupt president movie is a pretty good representation. <laughs> I, I guess it's as close as we could get, right? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, bearing the lead there, uh, Mike, but on today's episode, we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the 1976 uh, film, um, All the President's Men. Excuse me, what is your name? I'm Bob Woodward of the Washington Post. Markham. Markham. Markham, are you here in connection with the Watergate burglary? I'm not here. Okay. Well, clearly I am here. But only as an individual, not as the attorney of record. Who is? Mr. Starkey. Do you have any... Whatever you want, you'll have to get from him. I have nothing more to say. And All the President's Men is, uh, we're actually uh, living the sequel of it right now, <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's interesting. Uh, but All the President's Men is a film that dictates kind of the Watergate scandal, but from the perspective of the two reporters for the Washington Post, uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, who investigated the Watergate scandal and kind of slowly revealed what it actually meant and, and the uh, president's, uh, President Nixon's involvement uh, with the Watergate break-in and other subsequent um, attempts by the Republican Party to um, do some illegal stuff. Um, and Dave chose this because right now it's an apt time in American politics to kind of revisit this film. Um, basically, I mean, topically with what's happening with Trump and all his hearings, I mean, it is impossible not to see the similarities between, um, you know, the, the, the things that are going on now and what happened then. Um, but also, I feel like it's an interesting film to talk about in the wake of a movie like Spotlight, which won Best Picture in 20, um, 2016. Yep. Um, so uh, it kind of it ties in well with that. Um, so, you know, all in all, good times all around. Um, <laughs> or maybe not so good times. Yeah, you know, the, just the collapse. <laughs> of, bad times, just, actually. Just the collapse of American democracy, you know, good times all around. Um, collapse of humanity. <laughs> so, uh, Dave... Are you a big all the president's men fan? Like, is this is this your jam? Are you uh, 
Are you really into journalism movies? And no, you... <laughs> not really. Not really, honestly. I mean, I like good movies, and this just... <laughs> oh, well, okay. Whoa. Whoa. Not deep down. I'm sorry. Is that uh, on your dating profile? Like, do you say you like traveling and laughing as well? Because I, uh, Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. Dave does not like fun things. That is true. Dave does I not only, enjoy fun I only things. like good movies and pretty women and food that tastes good. Fast cars. Fast cars. Good hamburgers. <laughs> love exploring. I love exploring and finding new restaurants. Uh-huh. LOL. And that was Traveling. My, and that that was my J-Day profile. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. It's, uh, I, I couldn't... I, so the day we did the pot, the last podcast was, I think, the week that... Uh, there, were, there, was a, there was a week or two where it seemed like every day there was like some incredible new crazy story about Donald Trump and uh, his administration or associates or things revolving around that and and the way that uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post were just breaking these stories it seemingly left and right it always seemed to come at the end of the day I would like I would be, you know be making dinner and then I would check Twitter and all I'd be scrolling through like oh my god all these crazy things are happening and I just couldn't help but think of this movie and thinking like what if you know this must have been what what life was like back then only at a much faster pace you know the thing about all the president's men is that it shows it really gets into detail uh, of what it was like to re uh, research the kinds of stories we read like almost every hour now uh that you know took days and days weeks months to to really uh get enough sources and uh you know enough validity to actually publish um and uh the you know i, I really thought well this would be a good movie to revisit it's uh, a movie that I, I watched a long time ago haven't seen since and uh you know i was you know i wasn't i couldn't can't say i'm surprised i know it's considered a classic but i thought you know, well this movie's really uh pretty it's more engaging than i remembered you know maybe maybe you know maybe you have, maybe the older you get the fact that i pay more attention to politics these days thank you donald trump um, Don't thank them for anything. How well, dare you? Well, dare playing you? playing the devil's advocate. You know, I've never been as interested in politics and the way our government works than I am now because I want to make sure that it it doesn't collapse. So sometimes you need a great villain, I guess. I'm trying to look on the bright side a little bit some of the time. Uh, huh. And uh, Nixon was one of those first, you know, great, you know, quote unquote villains. And uh, you know, he's not the subject of the story. The subject of the story is two reporters. Um, but I found it very interesting how the, the story just kind of slowly develops and you're, you're seeing everything through their eyes and you're not really ahead of, of what the reporters know unless you know history. If, you, if you're able to just put yourself in the movie, you know, you're learning things as the reporters are learning things. And I thought that was very well done. I thought the, uh, the way they go about gathering information and their enthusiasm for their job and the process of, of just kind of, of uh, writing, I thought all that stuff was very interesting and, and – uh, the way it's conveyed cinematically, I thought was interesting with the set design. You know, I, I remember being kind of boring, but now I look at it and think, oh, that's a, you know what? The, the, this probably seemed kind of new. That like the um, these wide uh, angle shots of like uh, fluorescent lights and cubicles and everything probably wasn't a very familiar thing at that point, um, 1976. So I think it kind of paved the way for the way we think of uh, you know, when we think of journalism movies and political thrillers. You know, I kind of have these images in my head of like people running around a newsroom, and uh, you know, like in Zodiac or, or in, like in Spotlight, uh, you know, or you know, the paper, that other Michael Keaton movie. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other political thrillers slash newspaper films that I can't think of. I don't think there are any other ones. No, this <laughs> is the only one. I don't this know. Is what the, you're only one. About. the only one. This is probably the most famous of them. But uh, well, I mean, I think. Those uh, are my initial thoughts. What about you guys? Um, well, I mean, 
I guess uh, what you're trying to say is to quote the Dark Knight. The the night is always darkest before the dawn, basically. Sure. Uh, no. sure. Uh, you said the darn? Did you say the darn? Is the it? darn, yes. That's what I keep um, telling myself. Uh, no, but um, I, uh, I was surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did as well. Uh, just because I, too, have memories. I think I saw it in college originally of it kind of being like a very slow-paced, slow-burn type movie. And it is very much that. I mean, in, in, I think even calling this movie as a thriller is a little bit of a stretch. Um, it, it's just... It's not, and they, they, they try to uh, throw a couple thriller elements into the movie, um, especially uh, with uh, Robert Redford's character, Woodward, like when he's being like, he's like, has someone followed me? Like all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and Deep Throat. Uh, uh, and, and, and just the way the Deep Throat <laughs> is filmed, and the way, uh, which is you know played by uh, Alan, um, not Alan, who is it? Hal, Alan? Hal, Hal, Hal Holbrook. Hal Holbrook. Why do I get yeah. those two actors confused? <laughs> um, the way they you know light him and shoot him in this noir-esque lighting. Um, but yeah, the movie isn't about, I think I think, the most interesting thing is the movie isn't about the Nixon scandal at all. It's about journalism. And yeah. like, it could be any scandal, really, that they're investigating. In fact, Nixon is such a minimal... He's not even in the movie. He's, he's only in the movie as himself through actual video clips of Richard Nixon. It's like not like they hired some actor to play Nixon, you know, which would be a very Hollywood thing to do. Or, you, or you'd actually get actors to play, like, the major roles in the U.S. government that they're kind of exploring. No, it's not that at all. They... Um, they kind of really just focus in the craft of discovering your story. And I think that if you're into movies like uh, competency porn is like what the term I like to use, like this <laughs> idea of movies that are about people that are just good at their jobs, doing their thing, like, you know, getting their, rolling up their sleeves and getting their hands dirty. And, and that's what this movie is. It's kind of a, um, a testament to good journalism. It's, it's testament to being passionate about ideas and, and seeking the truth, which is all you know, supposedly very American. So in that sense, I, I really did uh, enjoy the movie. I will say that I don't feel like this is a film that I'm ever going to want to like, it's not like I'm going to want to revisit this movie like every year. You know, it's not like I, I have a craving to watch. Just every constitutional cra- crisis. <laughs> yeah. You know, just every 20 <laughs> or 30 years, whenever the government's about to collapse, maybe. But it's not like the kind of movie that I I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of time revisiting or or or, or um watching again and again so mike what do you what do you think about all the president's men yeah i mean i i've one of the few i've actually seen before uh last night actually like i'd seen it back in college uh just like you have and, and like i i remember the same i remember it being like a like a stodgy movie about like old men in old suits <laughs> doing old things with newspapers and it was like both these actors were younger I than i am now <laughs> i know they, they're I, both pretty young actually but like 38 and 36 or something right right, right. but at the, no i mean like all the newspaper guys though and they're suspenders oh, oh, right, right, and right. gray hair and they're smoking and like you know I, I actually remember the movie being in black and white for god's sake like, I, <laughs> oh it won best um, art direction i just looked at the uh, the oscars interesting yeah but no this time around much better i, I maybe just because like <laughs> i understand more about life in general and politics i have a little more of an interest where you know there's it's more pertinent um but great performances uh i mean to say the least and i think I, there's just a lot of really cool moments that i, I think they they you know went uh, and, and they put in like moments that didn't need to like scenes that did not need to be as long as they were like you know when you see the you know behind the scenes in a newsroom when all the editors are talking about what you know what stories they're going to include and just like their banter and them busting each other's balls and figuring out what they're going to do and how just really the jargon seeing them interact like stuff like that i think is, is fantastic um Really interesting seeing a lot of shots of DC and how like nothing has changed. Like the Kennedy Center is exactly the same. Like nothing is different about well, that. The well, it must have been Center, relatively new at that point. Well, the Kennedy Center is one of those kind of iconic um, like '70s architecture type things. Like this idea yeah. of, uh, and this movie is like 
also besides being competency porn, it's seventies architecture porn. Just oh. like all the buildings have that militaristic Soviet block look yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and, a lot of yeah, a lot of brutalist architecture, concrete geometry, repeating geometry. Yeah, and that's um, kind of very much indicative of a lot of the buildings that were being constructed in Washington DC in the seventies. And I think the post is actually still in the same is the post in the same building uh, that it was I feel uh, like it is. Good question. Um I feel like it's in the same building, and I've, I've seen the front of that building, and it's just an old, like, 70s-ish looking building. And in the newsroom, you know, you mentioned the production design winning uh, an Oscar, and that makes sense to me because, um, and maybe it's more impressive now that it's a mod, I'm a modern viewer watching a movie created about the 1970s, so it's probably less impressive at the time, mm-hmm. but you just look at the feel of the way this movie looks, it feels so 70s. Like, everything yeah. about it, from the cars to the clothes to the... The, yeah. the just the look of the newsroom and again that that's that's not impressive if you're making this movie in 1976 when it's about an event that happened in 1972 or three but I mean it's hard not to kind of be wowed by that sense of place when you're watching it now so uh, yeah absolutely yeah um, I mean even I mean the parking garage too that that it, it, all the different kind of cars that are in there and the style of them are just so raw 70s and um, I, I, by the way I feel like every single other parking garage meeting has been drawn from this movie. Like, have they, had, was, <laughs> had they met in anybody? Has anyone met in parking garages before this movie? I feel like yeah. this, this started it off, you know? You see a it's, scene it's in a, a parking garage is usually not a good sign for that right, character. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that guy's For somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the question I have is, how does knowing how an historical event plays out affect one's enjoyment of a movie? Uh, I mean, and we can talk about that in a general sense, and we can talk about that in a specific sense with this film. But, I mean, we all kind of know what happens with Watergate. I mean, we, we may not know the specifics of how that case broke. But is, does the enjoyment of the movie lose anything because you kind of know what's going to happen or no? Not really, no, because I think it, it's it's more like you said. It's more about it's less about the scandal, more about the the process. It's about the newspaper. It's about investigative journalism. It's about you know the, the journey of going along and getting the information, seeing how exactly they broke it, how they had to kind of go at it from different angles, where they got stuck, how they got around those roadblocks. Um, I think that is really more where the interest in the story is. So you know how it turns out, but like, do you or I know how the hell they got there? Not really, no. But um, okay, well, how about this question then? Does it bother you in this film that Woodward and Bernstein aren't, they're not, I don't think they're that rich of characters in the film. Do you agree with that statement? Like, do you think that there is, you don't get any sense of their interior life. You never see what they, their life is outside of reporting on the story. I I thought that the, like, that was my original feeling before seeing it this time. And this time I got, I I feel like I got a better grasp on their, on their character just from, um, just, you know. I, I kind of forgot that they were kind of at odds at the beginning, which is kind of a cliche to have like these two, you know, main characters in a movie that kind of like don't like each other, and then they start working together, and then they. I mean, it's you know. pretty thin how they're at odds. It's only just he doesn't like how he proofread his story. It's not like they have. This, I do like, like that you know scene I mean? a whole bunch though, when he's like, I'm, you know, I'm polishing it. And yeah, like, like, right, I, right, like, right. Or even just the way he said, I, I, you know, I don't mind what you did. I, it's how you did it. Like yeah, just I mean, their interaction at the beginning is good. And when you say um, their interior lives, you mean. You, 
they don't really. There is no scene in any like, other Hollywood picture. Like, you don't see Bob waking up in his apartment with a bunch of beer bottles. Right. right. Like, and there is get, no scene his, where, like, in a, yeah. any other movie, like, uh, you know, I was reading about these two two men, and Bernstein was a bit of a, a, a bit of a playboy. Like, yeah. if you read his history, he's been married three times. He married a model. Yeah. He, uh, you know, so you would think that you would well, get that I, kind of I, sense I, about him. Like, he would be. And like, I felt like I did get that sense yeah, this that, time, especially the way he was very flirtatious with the women he interviewed. At least that's that's the way I took it. You know, he's very. No, it's interesting because yeah, I agree. But it's 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 Dustin Hoffman, and I, I guess I don't know. I think he is he too Jewy to be a playboy for oh, you? Is that no. it? <laughs> perfect. I mean, no, he, I think he looks the I part think, for sure. I mean, Carl Bernstein, Dustin Hoffman. They don't. You, know, you look at pictures from that. That he looks more like Bernstein than, than Redford looked like. Yeah, uh, because Redford Woodward. is a freaking you know Adonis. Like he's like the male right, Adonis. Yeah, yeah. He's I couldn't help but notice how much Redford looks like uh, Brad Pitt looks now. You know, yeah, or, for sure. Or maybe ten years ago. He needed to grow his hair a little bit longer in the back. So I did look them up and be like, how close? How close? <laughs> they, I mean, come on, Redford, come on. Um, I, I was actually surprised. Like Dustin Hoffman's pretty damn like pretty accurate. I mean, I don't know what you had to do. You had to just do a loose tie and long hair, and you pretty much nailed it. But um, <laughs> I still think like I don't know. I just maybe because I'm used to um, uh, the Graduate or I, something about Dustin Hoffman is a little bit. I wouldn't say Jewy, Ivan. I would say like just <laughs> like nervous or quirky or something, like a little bit, you know. But at the same time, I understand that I'm like I can see why he'd be, you know, a ladies' man. You can see he's flirting with women. He's, he's, you know, he's very forward a number of occasions. And you're like, okay, I, can, I, I get it. I can see. It. You know, I think I have my own prejudice of of seeing him in other roles or seeing roles that he's done that kind of color <clears throat> color my opinion of it. Well, I think I think that to answer my own question, <laughs> I, I guess. I didn't really mind the lack of specific interior stuff because the movie does a lot of subtle things with how they interview their various um, subjects and how they communicate with people that kind of gives a sense of their personalities. I just yeah. feel like it's it's interesting to see a movie that does... Like, if you were to give this script to, like, a studio nowadays, their notes would be like, oh, we don't know anything about these characters. Like, or nothing happens, really, in this movie. And, right, and, I, and right, I, right. I think it's, it's kind of amazing that over the course of this film... You never actually, you never see Nixon impeached. You never, you never even get the, you never get a cathartic end big yeah, it moment. It just ends. It just ends. And it, 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 what actually ends in one of, probably one of my, I think the best shot in the whole movie is there's this shot of the TV, the TV. of yeah. Nixon being inaugurated for his second term in the foreground. And they're just heads down typing in this wide shot. It's, it's amazing. Like it's a still, it's like a, it could be a poster. It's just such a phenomenal yeah. It says so much. Uh, it feels like it ends when it needs to, basically. But I mean, did it bother you that you didn't get like that? Yeah, they won moment like that. Kinda, I, yeah, I, it I hurt me a little, little bit. Like no, I kind of that, that's that's I, in line with the way seventies uh, filmmaking was, though. You know, film seventies filmmaking was a very, uh, you know, it was bleak and a, it was, a little a little bleak, a little bleak. I mean, probably partially due to Watergate and and just the Nixon era in general. I, I feel like in Viet, the Vietnam War, I feel like seventies uh, films had a general dark tone that they, they were they weren't afraid of. Of uh, either bittersweet or uh, dark in general endings, you know. Think of the endings. Yeah, of, but the I mean, Godfather. you can still you can still provide closure or, or you know provide one or two scenes without having it to be over saccharine or anything like that. And I, I think I, I, mean, I agree with you because I feel like you're you're going through like so so uh, you know uh, tediously going through every little tiny detail of the pl- of the, the, the whole investigation, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, by the way, yeah, they got it. <laughs> well, well, what the hell? Wait, wait, wait. So what, well, I mean, what, I, like, I, what I led think... up to it? They had this big <laughs> a, a climax. They had this big. Uh, crisis where they kind of screwed up and then like yeah don't worry about it, though everything worked out okay you're good well i think that the the, the key they're trying to point out is a deep well here's the thing that's crazy too the entire time deep throat knew that halderman was connected to all this 
like so uh, Deep Throat could have given them what they needed within the first five minutes of the movie and he doesn't like it, it like which I think is kind of interesting and also they don't even show you the break in they literally show you uh, they show you the, the show you some of it at the beginning they show oh, you they show, they show you you see them you see them in there you they, see the tape you, you see Sally Ari rushing with a gun and say freeze you see them being <laughs> arrested you yeah. mean F. Murray Abraham yes um you see them being arrested, but you don't see, like, okay, so, again, a different kind of movie about the Watergate scandal would show, like, the entire heist. Like, it would show, like, all that, and it sure, doesn't. It, sure, sure. Yeah, this movie yeah, yeah. is so myopically focused on the craft of investigating a story. Like, it's so not about Watergate, which is what I think is so interesting about it. And to kind of play devil's advocate to my whole uh, point about you know, the movie doesn't give you this moment of catharsis at the end, it's something I also kind of respect as well, because you know, the 1970s was this time when I think audiences were just more willing to, like, let stuff linger, like, yeah. on their on their mind and, and do the... It's amazing to me how we've kind of regressed in cinema from that point. It's almost like movies, movies when they first started out in the 20s and 30s, were all about catharsis and about just, you know, enjoying the ride, man. Like, you know, the 20s and 30s and silent films, that's all popcorn cinema, right? And then when we start building and building the craft of cinema, and that kind of reaches this kind of peak in the 70s where it's all very challenging and it's dark and it's hard and it's slowly paced and it's, it's stuff to wrestle with. And now we're in our current age of movies where every nah, it's the exact opposite it's just of that. Ch- nah, I, I just think, I don't agree with that. I think movies have changed. I, I'll, I'll never say that movies have gone downhill. I mean... That we, you know, I think the, that the, the amount the, of film making that I mean, we have you know, ten times the amount of films that come out every year <laughs> than we did in 1976. Well, I mean, you know, hundreds, hundreds about, of movies. I can't think of like a movie I've wanted films. to see in theaters in a really long time, like months. I think the last thing I really wanted to see was Logan. Uh, which now you can, sound old. <laughs> I know, right? I do sound old, but yeah. I, I don't. It's not well, for. I, la- I hear you. Like I it's not you. for lack of trying. Like. When when this okay the 19th, a lot of the movies get crammed into into chunks of the year though so it's you know we're well all the president's men is a is a film that I would argue was viewed as a prestige picture when it was released in 1976 I mean yeah. not, not big budget pre- right. but prestige in the sense that this is something audiences are going to go want to go out on a Friday night and right. watch a movie they were Oscar named Oscar nominated stars Hi, see, and it filmmakers doesn't strike me as a and correct me if I'm wrong it doesn't strike me as a blockbuster like no. it's not a summer tent pole feature well I mean like Robert Redford that, was a big star they were both big movie stars they were like uh, I don't know who, who you'd compare them to today look, because oh, the this, era of the movie star more, sure and I know they're big names and all but it, it doesn't it feels more intelligent and less of less visceral less about I mean point and everything we're saying about the fact that there's no big cathartic ending it seems like it's more of a important film as Ivan always says like it's something that's like it was done for the sake of history or for the sake of people knowing the story or whatever, but it's not so much like, hey, grab your kids, get some popcorn, well, come I mean, on out, it's going to be the, you know, just the to, thrill ride of the summer. To try to back up my point with actual facts, this is a movie that grossed 76 million U.S. dollars at the box office. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Not only is that a lot for a movie in 1976, that's a lot for a movie now, especially a movie like this, which is like a low-budget picture in the sense that it's not, it has no flashy sequences, it's about guys in rooms talking. Mm-hmm. This movie comes out today Day, the exact same movie, it does not make $76 million. Right. It's Spotlight and it wins Best Picture. <laughs> but Spotlight, how much money did Spotlight No, it didn't make that much. It didn't make nearly as much, but it, and, and it probably helped, uh, the, all the uh, awards probably helped that, that, uh, that gross. I'm, I guess my, I guess I'm not, maybe I'm not phrasing this right. I think that the movie, a movie like this, um, captured the American imagination and desire to go out to the movies that is not present in today's box office, what we want to see in the movie 
I mean, and it was part of the zeitgeist too, right? I mean, it was an election year, seventy six. Oh, I think it was an election drinking game. Everybody, take a drink. Cultural zeitgeist. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, it was an election year. That the, the book had just come out like a year and a half or two two years before this. Um, yeah, I, you know, like Nixon had just resigned. Like, like what? Three years before well, this, I mean, to give and, you, and Redford and and, and uh, Dustin Hoffman were both like two of the biggest movie stars in the world, and it was still kind okay. of the air, air, still you know, movie stars were still kind of a big deal. A mo- similar movies to this that are released today just don't capture that cultural imagination, though. So a movie like Agreed. Snowden, which is again right. a movie about the a topical, you know, a politically topical event made by an A-list director, whether or not you like Oliver Stone's or not, starring a major star, yeah. uh, bombs at the box office. Um, so I, th- I just think it's kind of interesting where we are really in movies. Anymore. What? <laughs> I don't know if you would really call him A-list anymore. He's still a name. Oliver yeah. Stone's he, still well, He's get... won Best Director twice. I guess you get to stay on the A-list. You, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. He's a, he's a man that hasn't made a good movie in quite a while. But it's still interesting to me that Woo! the appetite for this kind of film I don't feel like exists it, it very much anymore. I agree. It's because... Uh, just the way we consume media is different, you know. We, yeah, but you just you, said that you, movies haven't changed you know, at all. Twitter like, is now, uh, you know, all the president's men. <laughs> well, that's another that's another interesting thing about what this film is talking about. It's talking about this idea of patience, right? right. Like the the ability for or the the need, the necessity for people to process information in order to convey what it actually means. Mm-hmm. And here we we have scenes in this movie where the editor of the post is like, "Oh, you can't run this story yet." Because we don't have this, you know, source, and we you you can't corroborate this fact, or you know, you don't have to bury this in the middle because this, we don't have the hard evidence to to make this claim yet. All that kind of stuff. And I guess that has me thinking that maybe this what this movie is really about is about the importance not just of storytelling, which a lot of movies are about storytelling. This movie is really about making sure you get the story right, right? Right, but that's the exact opposite of news today. And I, you know, and, and as much as not the exact admit, opposite, it, but, it is in a sense though, because I mean, yeah. we as this administration, this current administration, likes to use the term fake news, which is really <laughs> bad because they've they've kind of misconstrued a term uh, uh, into to represent uh, primary media sources as false, which is incorrect. I mean, the you know the you know, the, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times are still very viable organizations and important, but they're also under this immense pressure to make commentary and report quote unquote facts about things immediately and I don't think that's I don't think that's good for anything and I think well I mean I think there's a movie talking about important movies I think a movie that discusses this whole topic very well um, is Anchorman 2 and I think uh, <laughs> really intelligent movie of our time uh, masked in a lot of humor but <laughs> jokes aside but not really like the fact that we that, that news organizations have to fill not, obviously not the New York Times but like network news has to fill like 24-hour news stations and, yeah. and, like, and like you have to fill that time with something and a lot of it is conjecture a lot of it is just like shoddy reporting like it's just it, it's insanity it's it's a little bit of an art actually <laughs> to be able to fill all that time I, I wouldn't call it an art <laughs> there's, there's, there, I would say there, at least it's a skill there's, there's definitely a skill well there. no I mean yeah right I mean, <laughs> obviously to, there is to be able to sit there and and uh just talk s- idly about things for yeah. hours on end. Yeah, or, yeah, like you know, <laughs> with uh, sharp spikes in content. You but know? we now, now we have you know even people that I you know I agree with ideologically on Twitter. I feel like everyone quickly you know the, the whole goal of Twitter is to just is to make a joke that you know without any kind of basis on any kind of real knowledge of any situation. I and I, I, I think that's totally true. I think that half the people on Twitter that are making political commentary right now probably don't understand 
politics very much. And I, and I think that that's a Depends problem. on who you're following. I mean, if you're following, like, New York Times reporters, I think that, or, you know, Washington Post reporters, I feel like they do understand politics. I think that, okay, well, a good example, and, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very progressive in my political leanings, and, you know, that's no secret, shocking. really. Yeah, real shocking, right? But I think that we had this huge news event where Donald Trump, you know, pulls out of the the the, the, Paris. the Paris Climate Agreement, right? Which obviously, I mean, which which is infuriating, <laughs> and, and on the surface, is really annoying as someone who want you know, just symbolically understands why that's a bad thing. But the average person has never read the Paris Climate Agreement. Probably couldn't tell you what any any form of like any actual uh, what what is. Like, can you tell me any of the tenets of the Paris Climate Agreement? Uh, no, actually. exactly, and, and that's a huge problem because but, what we do is we as a society that's, you're talking about it on a, on a micro level, on a macro level, it's the importance and the uh, difficulty of gathering all the nations of the world to agree on saving the planet. But what? But I think it's important. <laughs> I do think it's. I don't think we we as a society we don't want to do the work that Bernstein and Woodward are doing in this movie, and that's well, they're a reporters. <laughs> that's their job. But I don't even think a lot I'm of reporters. Report- I don't yeah, think a lot think, of reporters are doing point, that. I mean, that that should be everyone's job. A lot of it uh, on both sides. People are, you know. They, but you can only consume. It, spits it out to them, and they they read that that soundbite or that headline. Sometimes, most of the time, people aren't even reading articles anymore. They're just reading headlines and then drawing conclusions from headlines. Exactly, and you, they consider themselves. Informed. I think that I think. we we. I think that I'm not saying that you have to be well versed on every. That's impossible to do. But if you're going to at least you know have a a, a feeling about a subject, you should at least read more than the headline. I guess is my point. I, um, and I that, agree. and that's a that's a big problem. Is we. We like we like feeling like we know what's going on, but very few of us actually know what's going on. Right, and, and, and I mean it's a little bit of an impossibility, though. Like you can only consume so much information. You have to be able to live your life and stay sane. You know, <laughs> you know. Well, that's the problem. Reporters, this is their job. Like this is he, he's he's put on the he's put on this story. That's his job, you know. Like we, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, ask Carl Bernstein to understand like how to keyframe in Adobe After Effects, you know. Like, you I know, would, I would. <laughs> like, you know what? If, like, you know, if he wanted to do a story about like it, that. he should learn how to do that. Let me tell <laughs> exactly, right. exactly. Uh, no, I mean, I, I guess I'm. Uh, I don't. I've kind of gotten a tangent about just the dichotomy between what this movie represents in journalism and what we exist now. And I think we are kind of coming on because of this current political crisis in our country. We're coming across this a resurgence of kind of this appreciation of reporters like this and long form news pieces and doing good work. I mean, I, and maybe this is just me personally, but this is the first year that I now subscribe to a newspaper and I pay and I pay money for it. And I do my best now to read the entire article uh, or at least least as much as I can to actually feel, I mean, I was, I was guilty of reading headlines and making judgments on that, you know, three years ago too. And now I'm, I'm I'm really trying Mm -hmm. very hard to not do that anymore. And I, and um, it's just interesting to me kind of, Everything's cyclical. Everything repeats itself. And with what's happening now, and we have this document, this film that kind of proves that, right? So right, it, you know, and it definitely, you know, something this film does, I feel like, does pretty well is convey how important uh, journalism is. You know, how just how important it is to have people that are um, there just to, to to tell you what's actually actually help happening with people that you you uh, you want leading. You know, you, that with the leaders that you, you know, we live in a democratic society, supposedly, uh, you know, you want to, you know, we want to be led. We want to have faith in our leaders, um, uh, you know, but at the same time, uh, you, you know, you can't just depend on them to tell you everything. 
Uh, you know, if if it, if it was Donald, Tr- if it was up to Donald Trump, he would just you know kill or or ban. I mean, he's in so in so many words, he's basically made the press the enemy. I mean, I think he's literally called the press the enemy of the American people. And uh, I don't know. Uh, the, I don't. I don't. I don't have to fact check that, Dave. I can't just take your word for it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm t- I think I think you can <laughs> look it up. No, no, he's just giving our time. Like 99 percent sure that's what he said. I'm, I'm no uh, Bob Woodward, but I, I'm pretty sure um, that I saw a video of that. Uh, anyway, I don't know that Nixon ever actually publicly said those kinds of things, although I, I'm sure that he probably viewed journalists uh, in much the same light as Donald Trump does. Well, like you said, I mean, I mean, there are a few there are a few real life characters in history that make such great villains as Nixon and currently Trump and a lot of. Uh, people that Trump has surrounded himself with, and Nixon I, and Hitler, we used to be. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess, oh, I would what, not put them in the same. Not the same, yeah. But, the, but those are the, the whatever. Yeah, uh, you're right. I, <laughs> careful, <laughs> man. But those were, you know, growing up, those were like the, you heard those two names for me at least, and like you know, it was just associated with like people doing bad, <laughs> bad to evil things. <laughs> well, I think that I'm really interested. I'm very, very excited in 15 years from now, or maybe even less than that, maybe you know, 10 years from now because everything moves so quickly, we're going to be watching a movie about the 2016 presidential uh, election. I guarantee it. It's going to happen. And I'm not going to be able to watch it because it's different now because we're, we're, we're living it in a way that people in the Do 70s Do you think probably, this movie was painful for people that were living know. in, you know, uh, as the Watergate scandal was breaking and all that? Do you think this movie, like you said, had that same kind of feeling? It's a question for someone from that generation. Like can we get, like, your dad to answer that question? <laughs> I would be interested to hear what my parents had to say about this. Uh, because... Um, and, and maybe it's because all the president's men, again, isn't very focused on the political machinations. Like it's not about that. It's not like it, it's not a referendum on Nixon at right. all. It, it's it, which I think is interesting. And it's a tribute to reporters and uh, you know, a little bit of a buddy cop story in a way. You know? Okay, so let's <laughs> let's go back to. Uh, did you guys all see Spotlight? Out of curiosity, yes, I haven't. No. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll keep this brief then. Uh, <laughs> no did you enjoy, What were your thoughts on Spotlight? Do you think it's as equivalent, as good as this film? Well, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was very, very good. Um, so, I don't know. Ask me in, like, another 20. <laughs> you know, it... it I, well, here's the... I guess, to, you know, kind of, I'm trying to... I remember it being... I mean, it, it, it would be hard for me to argue that, that one is better than the other, except for the fact that All the President's Men, you know, was one of the first of its kind and nominated for, you know... it. You know, its reputation has stayed pretty solid over the past forty years. Right. So. Well, I guess my I guess my larger point is, and I'm trying to I'm trying to decipher this in my mind as well. I didn't think Spotlight was all that great. I thought it was kind right. of mediocre. I just thought it was fine. I didn't think it was bad or anything. I thought it was fine. I thought I, I watched it, and I think I might, my reaction was, "Oh, that was a movie." But I don't feel I don't feel <laughs> that way about all the President's Men, and mm-hmm. because the movies follow a very similar template, I'm kind of trying to figure out why that is. And then I guess you guys can't answer that question for me. Well, so. I mean, I mean, one thing that Spotlight did a little differently is it had uh, more reporters that, that were kind of on their own as opposed to two guys working together to kind of, I guess, and there are a lot of scenes of them separate too, but it felt like it was more about this, this team up as opposed to in Spotlight, it was about, uh, it was about like, um, you know, let's gathering the facts all over the place. And it felt like broader, you know, it felt like, it felt like this, I feel like it t- took place over a longer period of time, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm, I guess I'm very curious if in 10 years, in 15 years from now, will Spotlight be remembered as a great Best Picture winner or just a movie 
You know, like you know, you could look at it this way: that like all the President's Men was kind of the beginning of modern journalism, and Spotlight's kind of like the end of showing the death uh, of newspapers. Yeah, essentially. (laughs) I mean, at least the transition, the the, rise of BuzzFeed, at least at least the transitioning into a different era. Because you know, now you know, you could you could say that journalism is is uh, is in a resurgence now. I mean, with the like you said, you're subscribing to a newspaper. I we we were already subscribed to the New York Times, but we subscribed to Washington Post, and uh, you know, I think it's important to. you know, to pay for things that you value, and and uh, journalism is something that I value now more than than almost anything I would say, um, as far as you know things that I consume. So, uh, uh, like food, you mean? Yeah. Well, I, pay, I think it's important mm-hmm. to pay for food too. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get mm-hmm. if you don't. Pay I've been for stealing it. food for the past five years. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, you buy your own food, Dave. Well, yeah. You well, what, what I sure. think Spotlight makes that an issue, though. Like they, they actually, you know, they'll show like. Uh, I can't. It's been. I haven't seen it since it first came out, but it, you know, a year and a half ago. But I do remember there being the feeling that you know, print was dying and digital was you know, you know, the internet was taking over. I think the actual story spotlight takes place in the uh, in the early two thousands. Is that right? I well, whenever the uh, Catholic uh, scandal, Catholic priest right. scandal, I think that's yeah, early two thousand seems about right. And, yeah, and all the president's men was very immediate. You know, it took place like just basically in the time that it was made, um, and you know. I don't know. It's just, it, I guess, well, <laughs> it has different things on its mind. Well, it's, it, it is interesting to me that All the President's Men comes out literally like four years after these events, which is a very quick turnaround time. And right. I think that a lot of movies that are doing that nowadays don't work for me. Like, Peter Berg is a filmmaker that has an obsession with remaking American tragedies. Oh, God. That's but, like, annoying. but it's, it, it's, <laughs> I heard they're good movies, but I, I, it's like, I just don't want, like, well, like, we're talking about the, um, Deepwater Horizon and right. Patriots Day. Yeah, I haven't seen it. And all, these are movies that are about events that are very much, you know, ripped from the headlines. Um, and I don't understand why. Too soon. But, like, why was all the president's men not too soon, I guess is the question. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of death. I mean, again, and, like, I think I've, it's, if, it's if, not about specifically about that scandal. It's about, you know, two people specifically. Again, it's about investigative journalism, not specifically about the scandals itself. Now, yes, obviously it plays a major part, but I think because the focus has shifted, it's not you're not looking at everything that's happening inside his cabinet, Nixon's cabinet, or or in the break-in, or who's involved there. Like it's not about that. It's not you know and Mark you're not Wahlberg really making isn't the playing scandal. Bob Woodward, so that helps, right? But. Yeah, I mean, I think that I I feel like those two movies that you just mentioned to me they they felt a little icky. I haven't seen them, so I can't really. Well, what what, what, really, what, but what felt icky about what, them? It, it felt like they were exploiting tragedies a little bit, you okay. know, to make like a rah-rah Michael Bay type. Uh, American hero type story, and this is this is obviously and, and not this, this is, is this yeah. is not this is this is this is like um, just a recounting of of uh, what it was like to actually uncover a story, and you know about the, and about not... the importance of journalism. And I understand that. These, okay, so you could argue that like Deepwater Horizon is probably about the importance of of uh, you know kind of blue collar workers doing their job to to save lives in a, in an you well, know, fighting in an against an evil an evil right. capitalist organization type right, thing right right and, but, and but I, you're saying like it, it feels like it's a little bit more like, tugging on the heartstrings a little bit more like trying to get you emo- instead of saying you know from uh, from the trailers that I've seen in those two movies they they definitely look like they're um, you know more operatic and uh, I can I can see like the classic like oh someone's got to stop it. Guess it's gonna have to be me. Like, I can right. see scenes like those coming in. You know, <laughs> no, like, no, like, it, the ridiculous. We have like, I don't think any of us have seen these. Well, these I, two I've seen Deepwater Horizon. Oh, I have so seen Deepwater Horizon, and you know, it's so is like, that an it, accurate assessment of it. Well, Deepwater Horizon. Here's the thing about that movie. It's actually very well made. Like, it's like Peter Berg is a good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah but well, he he's it, responsible but, for Friday Night Lights. So. But it's it's. Um, 
it's the kind of thing where, like you said, Dave, it still feels a little icky. Like it's like it's not, the movie isn't bad. And if it was about a fictional event, I wouldn't feel so grossed out by it. But the fact, the way that you know, it's 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 like this weird thing where it's trying to make you feel good about something bad. And I think mm-hmm. that the the difference in my head, and obviously very different movies, but all the President's Men is like really bleak and pessimistic, right? Mm-hmm. Like even their victory, we're not allowed to see. Like we're not even given that joy. Well, you, it, it does tap into their enthusiasm, though. You at least get the joy of, this, of, of putting the story together a, a little bit, I would say. I guess, and there also is this joy of like this idea of two amateur reporters that no mm. one believed could do it ended up bringing down the entire like administration and the entire infrastructure of the executive branch of the government. And, and that is compelling, but not, none of those notes are played loudly is what I guess I'm trying to right. say. And, then, and I think that's really well done. It, it, it's not, they're not painted in this, this glory. You don't have that shot of them like getting honored or anything like that. It's just kind of like they did their thing. This is how it happened and that's it. There's no, there's no moment yeah. in the new, like in any other movie, there would be a scene where everyone in the newsroom would stand give them a standing ovation clapping the editor would come in and start a slow clap and then like the metro department and that sassy lady the receptionist at the front of the paper would join in and everyone like, that would have been the movie and yeah. we, you never yeah. the, maybe the climax <laughs> or at least that's the bad version of this movie but the climactic shot is them typing alone in Cubers in a disgusting 70s building oh, as the man as the man I don't, like tra- I don't like Flores and Lady either as the man they're trying to bring down is, 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 is taking the oath of office for the most powerful position in the free world. And I think that that is saying something about 70s cinema and it's saying a lot about like just why this movie is different and why I guess it kind of holds up, so to speak. Um, Final point of topic I wanted to bring up, and we can talk about other things, but on my little notebook I got here. It is, I got a notebook. He's got a notebook. I want to talk about (laughs) the year 1976, which is a very contestuous year at the Oscars because it's a year that Rocky wins Best Picture right. and it's going up against this film and it's going up against Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, and Network. And Network. Right. With, so 1970 Four honest-to-goodness classics all competing. So, and a lot of cinephiles mm-hmm. hate the fact that Rocky wins Best Picture here. How do you feel about that, Dave? Being the pretentious film snob you are. <laughs> I don't... Oh, I don't man. Typically, Answer I, carefully. It's rare, for, it's rare for me to get... No, see, it's rare for me to get mad about uh, Best picture winners at least not at this point in my life i think in the 70s it means more but uh maybe i mean I, I, maybe. There, like you said there's less movies there's is, there is i mean it's not it's not like rocky won best picture and then you know you know uh, robert redford like in dustin hoffman their careers tanked or anything you know they they were fine you know and so was uh sydney lumet who made um sydney lumet lumet or lumet lumet i mean he went on lumet? to make lumet. at least sydney lumet at least uh half dozen other decent films i would say uh, and what and Scorsese, he's and Scorsese. Okay. I think I've heard of Scorsese. He did okay yeah. after Taxi Driver. So you know, who really cares? I mean, it, it, Rocky winning Best Picture feels feels right for the movie Rocky. I would say, you know, like it's an underdog movie. It's about an underdog <laughs> guy. You know, we haven't talked about Rocky on this podcast, but it, you know, oh, you it, mean my favorite movie of all time? Yeah, uh-huh. your favorite movie of all all time. And uh, you know, so I, you know, I, I would never. I, I would never take that from somebody. I would, you know, take the joy of Rocky winning Best Picture. Well, I, th- I do think that said, I do wish Stallone had gone on to, a, you know, a much more, a much. He was touted as like the De Niro, of like he, the same vein of. Let me phrase the question a different way. You're yeah. given that Oscar ballot. You are a, 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 a multiple Academy Award winner. You're going to vote on the Academy Awards. You're putting your ballot. In. Which which movie do you cast your vote for? Personally, I would give it to Network. Oh, Network over Taxi Driver. Network over Taxi Driver. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. 
Hmm. Uh, but I mean, hey, it's a toss-up for me. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like they're all like, they're all like almost uh, five-star movies in my opinion. So it's it's hard for me to choose from. <laughs> no, totally. That's a tough, that's a tough and, and, one. I mean, you know, and a lot, a lot of other best picture years, it's it's an easier choice. Well, I think it's like a, for me, it's a head versus heart decision. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, intellectually, Rocky is not the best picture there in terms of like what it's Maybe saying it about. Is. Well, what it's <laughs> saying about what it's saying about like just the craft of filmmaking and 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 the deeper themes and and the deeper introspection that movies like Taxi Driver or Network, even all the President's Men are providing. But goddamn, Rocky just gets me in a way. And I think that that's really interesting how movies can affect you on different ways. There's the cerebral way that movies affect you, and then there's the emotional way. Right. And for me, more often than not, I, the movies I love, I, I love because they just grab they grab the emotional side of me, not the intellectual side of me. So Yeah, that's I usually know. where I fall to. But, yeah, yeah I and, and I also think that Rocky is a movie that gets... Um, it, it gets decried a lot for kind of being populist cinema, like this it, mostly idea. because of the sequels and the way Stallone's career went. I would say right, it's, but if you watch the original 1976 Rocky, that's a patient, slow burn of a yes, movie agreed. full of you know, it's a movie about quiet moments between characters. There's literally only one fight scene in the movie. It's at the end of the film. It's, it's about Rocky's armpits. It, <laughs> there, yeah, he's got luscious it's about his armpits. Hat. It's about his hat. It's about his hat. It's about that little ball he carries around. I think but, we can all agree that 1976 was the best year of all the years. Do you think so? In general. I think the other year that... It was the year I was born. I mean, it is a great... bicentennial United States. 1976 is a great year for films. That is true. I mean, it it kind of... We've talked about a couple banner years so far on this podcast. One is 1976. Another is 1999. Uh, Those are are like two really big... Beauty being John Malkovich. Those are like banner years of movies. And it's kind of interesting. Every once in a while, you kind of get these years where everything's just loaded all at once. 2007 was a good one. Well, it was 2007. Uh, There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah, shit. Movies, yeah. Uh, assassination of Jesse James. So it's just kind of interesting to me how um, serendipity makes it that there are these years. Well, Assassination of Jesse James is interesting because that movie didn't get any recognition, but now everyone kind of views it as a masterpiece. Right. Well, so. I mean. But anyway, um, I digress. Any uh, final comments you guys want to talk about uh, this film or 1976 in general? Uh, no? I think we're good. <laughs> I think we covered it. I think we covered yeah. it. So I guess our, our consensus is this is a film that does hold up. Uh, yeah. Probably better than I thought it would. Because Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Because I thought it was going to be really boring. I was really not looking forward to sitting down it and watching it. It was on the this. shelf or the iTunes uh, library, as it were. And I had <laughs> forgotten which one. Because I, I, I knew I, when, I, when I pulled it up on Amazon, I was like, oh, this movie. Okay. So it was so forgettable for me in college, I forgot what it was even called. I just knew, I knew it was the Washington Post movie about the, the Watergate scandal. <laughs> Well, I also think it's, you know, yeah. for, for me, um, I'm, I, I love movies that follow traditional structure. I like getting those traditional um, moments of joy and catharsis in movies. And this is a movie that does none of that. It, doesn't, it does not have a conventional <laughs> structure whatsoever. Nope. There is, there, I, I, could, I couldn't even tell you what the first act of this movie is. I, if I were to break down the script, I could not break it down on a traditional structural model. Mm-hmm. But I still think the movie somehow works and is yeah. pretty Well, pretty again, great. it feels it almost feels like a, a dramatic documentary. It doesn't feel like a, a movie for entertainment purposes, right? So I feel like the traditional, you know, the, 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 the arc it, and the, you know, the, the, all that the, the traditional would story it be structure. As good, would it be as good if it was a documentary? It, um. No, I don't think yeah, it's. I don't know, because it, you, good. it would be. It could be a great. There probably is a great documentary. No, I guess. I guess. My, I guess my question is, why did it need to be a film versus a documentary? 
So they inject a little bit of entertainment value in there, right? Like it's a little bit of drama, a little bit of you know humanity, and I think it makes it more entertaining than sitting and listening to probably a 1970s like Woodward and Bernstein went down to. You know, I think there's going to be like that was super boring, right? So having it as a dramatic piece with two big actors makes it a little bit more interesting and more accessible to the public, right? I don't know too many people who actually go out and, oh, I'm going to go out to the movies and watch a documentary, great document. That's more for people who are into documentaries. That's their own like thing. This is more readily readily available to the public. Well, I guess, I um, I, well, I guess, I guess, um, so, I mean, I, well, my, a, good compa- my... a good comparison, I would say, uh-huh. is have you seen, you've seen Man on Wire and have you seen The Walk? Uh, yeah, Man on Wire is way better. <laughs> but that's very interesting, right? Like, arguably, those movies are doing th- that. The wire, the walk is doing the same thing that all the president's men is doing. Yeah. Because it, it's a. Uh, but for some reason, Man on Wire is a much better film, and I'm just trying to di- do, deduce why. I, that I think is. it's one of those. I think it's one of those lightning in a bottle things. You just have the right mix, and it works in one case, and it doesn't work in the other. Um, you know, I, I think between the performances, the direction, just some of the decisions, I think it's just it's different. Um, I haven't seen Man on Wire or The Walk, but <laughs> my suspicion, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I well, feel that like fits the your walk mo, is, Mike, that you haven't seen either of those things. Well, right, right, it, right. So, so it comes as a surprise to no one. I mean, had had uh, there been a like a very popular and critically acclaimed documentary like a couple years before All the President's Men, it might not have made sense to make it as a dramatic feature. You know, the Man on Wire came out uh, what, in 2009 or something, and then The Walk came out in 2013. So it wasn't, you know, like why, and it, you know, it won Best Documentary. Well, it was the very wa- popular. The, well, to be fair to Zemeckis, The Walk was in production. Like, oh, yeah, is Well, The, the Walk was in production well before Man on Wire was released or was conceived. It just, I didn't know that. It just took a lot longer to get The Walk made. He optioned the story, and then the documentary was being made concurrently. He didn't know about the document. Like it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a. He knew about the story prior to that. But anyway, I, I think that it's just interesting why some things lend themselves to narrative, and just maybe the approach is what's the differentiator versus you know the uh, like versus the medium of how that story is told. And like Mike said, so much of entertainment. And I think what I've learned about watching the movies movies for the show is so much of entertainment is just capturing lightning in a bottle. Like, really good things, if you try to dissect why everything works, it kind of falls apart as a logic argument because it all ends up being, well, just things ended up working out where the right people were working on that particular thing at that time. So, and I think all the presidents men are indicative of that. It's not something you can plan, it just, it happens. And, you, you know, it's a mix of the actors, it's a mix of the director, it's just, it's a, just the way everything kind of works together and it works or it doesn't. You know, I feel like that's true of like anything in life. So from now on, every movie that we discuss in the show, I'm like, it works or it doesn't. And that's just really all we can say about that. Uh, it works because it works, and that's it. We can wrap it up. We can each one in 10 minutes, 5 10 minutes. I don't know episodes. why we talked about this for 50 minutes, if that was the case. But anyway, uh, any, um, where can, uh, I think we're going to close out the episode. Um, uh, David, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Dave Glantz on Twitter. Ha, ha, ha. Twitter, Dave Glantz, G-L-A-N-Z. <laughs> and uh, DaveGlantzProductions.com. Let Dave digest your news for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm, tasty. Dave is the new journalist. <laughs> He's the new media. Mike, Hi. where can people find you? You find me on Twitter. Ha ha! I won't digest your news <laughs> for you. I probably won't say a whole lot on there. He'll regurgitate it for you. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's at Mike Morandi. You can find me on my website at MikeMorandi.com. 
Uh, and you can find me at Ivan Kander on Twitter, where I basically just post David Gordon Green clips because that's all I've been doing lately. Um, really? <laughs> I, I don't know why. I've become obsessed with David Gordon Green again. I was obsessed, to, obsessed with him in college, and now I'm obsessed with him again. Um, and you can find me on my website, LuckyNightStudios.com. I also write, edit, and curate for the website, shortoftheweek.com. So you can find us all there. Michael, what are we watching next time around? The classic movie Stand By Me. Stand By Me. There you go. We're going to be watching Stand By Me on our next episode. Apologies that it's been so long in between episodes. I'm not sorry. I'm Um, not sorry. Look, people, we have lives, okay? I know. I know we're immensely popular. (laughs) You guys are depressed without listening to us. Well, I mean, the internet almost collapsed. I mean, it was was pretty bad. I know. No, I was... I will say this, though... um, I'm going to try to get another one of those film school episodes out again in a couple weeks uh, talking about David Gordon Green because you and Mr. Dowd. I'm going to try to if he if I can convince him to do so because he's just busy but everyone's busy so that's what I've learned. Uh, but we'll try to do that and we're going to be talking about Stand By Me. So until next time everyone um, stay paranoid and um, the world's going to hell. So that's, <laughs> uh, <I'm> Okay. Big <laughs> <Fake> news. <laughs>